Welcome, everybody, to the Aaron's High Cap Adventure Radio Program. It seems like a month since I've been on the microphone and in the studio, but we're here today, and we have a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on. During the course of my life in the last week, things happen. Uh, I see things. I evaluate things. I listen to people, uh, watch the news. I come up with uh, opinions. I evaluate my brain, and I come up with what I want to talk about in an opinion piece, and this week is no different. And we're going to do that right now. Okay, I'm settled in now. Or you can make contact with us at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com or just go directly to the uh, website aaronsgunshop.com and you can listen to us there as well on the radio page. But ladies and gentlemen, my opinion piece for this week is called or entitled Personal Opinions. Now, ladies and gentlemen, opinions are like attitudes. Everyone's got one. And that's fine and dandy, I guess, because I sure do have mine. But, As I get older, I realize that different opinions, if not kept in check, can cause arguments, conflicts, and sometimes even violence to erupt. Now, not only are there differences of opinions, but there are different differences of opinions. Let me explain what I mean. If we're looking at a painting together, and I love it because of the technique of its drawing, but you don't like it because of its content, We can agree to disagree. Well, what if I like ketchup on my eggs, but you like mustard? We can agree to disagree on how we like our eggs. If I believe that the ball was in the strike zone, but you think the ball was a ball, and if we don't have any money on betting on the game, okay, if we don't have any money, we can agree to disagree. But what if, let's say, I believe the Constitution and the Bill of Rights allows me freedom of speech, but you say, no, only in designated areas. Or, I believe the Constitution and the Bill of Rights says that my Second Amendment rights shall not be infringed, but you think there should be gun registries. Well, or, I believe that unwarranted searches are not allowed, and we are protected under the Constitution and Bill of Rights, but you think, for the worry and safety of others, that my right can be... um, Suspended. Well, on those three things, or anything else going against the Constitution of the Bill of Rights, it ends up not being opinions. It ends up being wrong. Those two documents clearly state their intent. It is the ones who don't like it who try to manipulate or pervert it for self-gain. Same goes with the Christian religion, for example. There is one source, the Bible. If that is the case, why are there so many different types of Christian churches? Are you a better Christian than me if I'm not a Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist, etc.? I think not. Those factions exist because someone didn't like what the Bible said. Well, heck, I don't like what the Bible says sometimes. But all that tells me is that those areas I need to pray about. So when it comes to opinions on sports, art, food, etc. I respectfully listen to your opinion and hopefully you'll listen to mine. But when it comes to our country, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Bible, sorry, your opinion's not wanted. Your opinion means nothing. It mean, and nor does mine on that in, in that respect. It means nothing due to the fact that the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and Bible already have their clear meaning. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, instead of being divided in this country, let's reunite around those things which are solid and need no opinion. Now, you know my opinion when it comes to that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't like my opinion, sorry, we've got a lot going on. Today, on the License to Carry segment, I'm going to go over Penal Codes 934 and 944, Protection of Life or Health, and Use of a Device to Protect Property. You'd be amazed at some of the commentaries I get while teaching this part of the License to Carry training. Of course, in our NRA segment, I'm going to read to you three stories from the NRA's American Rifleman column, The Armed Citizen. And from these stories, we're going to try and glean as much as we can so that we may apply it to our own lives. God forbid if anything like those bad things happen to us, uh, we might be able to learn something from these stories and prevent them in the future. My pep section today will be Preparation Eliminates Panic. And it's going to talk to you about Cosmoline, what it is, where does it come from, and what it is used for. Good information to know for all you preppers out there. Now, since Monday is Memorial Day, I wanted to talk about it in today's topic of interest section. So we'll all get a history lesson about the Memorial Day and what it means to all of us here. Today's product spotlight will be the hard-to-find and eagerly sought-after Russian Sega 410 semi-automatic shotgun. And guess who's got one right now? That's right, ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer. Go to the AaronsGunShop.com Facebook page and take a look at the picture that we have there posted. People are already emailing me and calling me about it. So if you want it before somebody else gets it, go to ANC Firearms or call them at 254-983-4417. Today's interview portion of the show will be uh, extremely interesting to all of you out there who don't like rust on your weapons, your tools, machinery, or even motorcycles. My guest today will be Rick Dyer, owner of ProTech Rustproof Bags. I've got to figure out exactly, we're going to be talking to Rick, we're going to figure out exactly um, where his position is on ownership, um, running the company, did he get a great idea himself, and do, I, I don't know, I'm, this was like a spur of the moment type of interview, I'm, I'm very excited about it, I use this product all the time, but he's the owner of ProTech Rustproof Vags, and I've used his products for years, and I have nothing but a five star rating on his products, so stay tuned, get your pens and paper ready to take notes, so we can get started with the show here, okay, we've got lots going on. I'm going to move right now into our License to Carry segment. For all of you License to Carry people out there, you old school people at CHL, if you have a license to carry concealed or open and it says CHL, Concealed Handgun License, don't be um, disturbed by it. It means the same thing as LTC. Once you go to renew your license and they send you out a new card, it'll say License to Carry. So CHL or LTC, it's the same thing, just different letters. But today, Penal Code 934, Protection of Life or Health, and Penal Code 944, Use of Device to Protect Property. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes people like to hurt themselves, and sometimes they like to hurt others. The common thread between the both is we have to know how to handle them and what our rights are under the law. Now, remember what I said last week. The state does not care about you. They say they do. But when it's you versus them in the courtroom, they're out for blood. They don't want to be made wrong. It is so important for you to be of sound mind, knowledgeable of both the law and your abilities to minimize any potential for you to be deemed the dangerous one. 
Now, sometimes the law is obvious, and sometimes it seems obvious. That's the one that can get you in a lot of trouble. If you carry a gun, know the laws. If you don't carry a gun, know the laws. When it comes to defending yourself, property, and loved ones, there is no room for error. Now, remember this too. Setting booby traps is not the way to stay out of jail. So if you're looking to defend your property with punji sticks, electric doorknobs, guillotines, blowtorches, shotguns, or even claymore mines, remember that those are a one-way ticket to the pen. The days of, oh, gee, wasn't that cool, or getting away with it are over. You're screwed up, and you'll get locked up if you do that. So know your laws and your rights. Okay, so with that introduction to this uh, license to carry segment let me read to you from my trusty little workbook the penal codes 934 and penal code 944 the first one we'll do is penal code 934 this one is called protection of life or health penal code 934 protection of life or health paragraph a a person is justified in using force but not deadly for... And ladies and gentlemen, I'm reading this. As soon as I read it, it brings me into something else. I've talked to you, I don't know how many times, about understanding your force levels. There's force, reasonable and necessary force, and deadly force. You must know, you must learn, you must understand, and you must apply the proper force for the proper situation, okay? I'm not going to do that now, but you need to refer back to some of my podcasts or some of the YouTubes, that, um, videos that we've got on these sections, and you need to learn it and study it and be proficient at it, okay? So as I continue... Let me just start over again. A person is justified in using force, but not deadly force against another when and to the degree he reasonably, that key word reasonable, we talked with Ed Laughlin about the word reasonable, and I made comments about that word reasonable, very important word, believes the force is immediately necessary to prevent the other from committing suicide or inflicting serious bodily injury to himself. Paragraph B. A person is justified in using both force and deadly force against another when and to the degree he reasonably believes the force or deadly force is immediately necessary to preserve the other's life in an emergency. Now, I'm going to stop right there. In my class, when we come up to this section, Penal Code 934, I always give an illustration, and it's very interesting to see the kind of answers that I get. But let me give you, ladies and gentlemen, out there in radio land, listening on the Internet, so on and so forth, and if you want to listen to me, once again, go to aaronsgunshop.com, go to the radio page. We're streaming live there. Let me give you the example. Today, you, the listener, are SWAT team commander, and you post your snipers left and right, and you say, there's a jumper, a suicide jumper. He's on the 20th floor. He's standing on the ledge, and he's about to jump. And you give the order, I want him dead. Shoot him. I want him dead before he kills himself. Can you do that? Based on what I just read to you in Penal Code 934? In my class, I actually get people go, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I'm thinking, no, you can't do that. Okay? If the individual is just trying to hurt himself. You can't use deadly force to stop him from doing that. That's ludicrous, right? You just can't do that. But now what because what happens if because you're obeying the law and you understand how the law works and you're a SWAT team commander who's got a brain, okay? And you say, "All right, we can't use deadly force to stop him." The guy now decides to go back into the building, but he puts on a suicide vest 
goes down to the main lobby, walks out, and goes across the street to the city park where there's kids playing, women pushing their baby carriages with their infants in there, so on and so forth, and he's got his finger on the button. The question is now, can I use deadly force to stop him? And of course, the answer is yes. So what's the difference here? You've got an individual who's trying to hurt himself. We can't use deadly force on that. We can use some other types of force to try and stop him. But now if he changes his mind and tries to hurt others in the process, because misery loves company, yes, we can apply the deadly force scenario to stop him from hurting others. So that's Penal Code 934, Protection of Life or Health. Let's move on to Penal Code 944. And that is use of device to protect property. The justification afforded by sections 941 and 943, we didn't read them today, applies to the use of a device to protect land or tangible, movable property if, one, the device is not designed to cause or known by the actor to, to create a substantial risk of causing death or serious bodily injury, and two, use of the device is reasonable under all circumstances as the actor reasonably believes them to be when he installs the device. I'm going to read that again. Listen closely. Here we go. The device is not designed to cause or known by the actor, the actor be you, to create a substantial risk of causing death or serious bodily injury. And two, the use of the device is reasonable under all circumstances as the actor reasonably believes them to be when he installs the device. So now let's go back to uh, Aaron's gun shop classroom teaching license to carry and let's give a scenario. Some time passed, years passed. Some people broke into the shop and they stole some guns, okay? And they're very fortunate I wasn't there to stop them, okay? And because of that, I tell my students what happened. I actually have a glass case that they broke and I still have shards and fragments of glass in the base of that cabinet to show people and remind people and use it to assist me in teaching this particular penal code. And I go to people and I say to them in my class, I say, look, these punks broke into my shop, they stole my guns, they disrupted everything. I bought this shotgun now and I bought this stool so that I could bungee cord the shotgun to the stool, place it in front of the door and have it rigged so that when they open the door, they get 12 gauge meeting them and blowing their bodies to bits, so on and so forth. And I asked my students, I can do that, right? And I actually have some people say, yeah, you can do that. Well, no, I can't do that, and I don't do that, but I use it as a great illustration as to what you can do and what you can't do. Because if I did that, I would be setting up a device, a mechanical device, that I, the actor, knows can cause serious harm or death. I can't do that, and I won't do that, and I wouldn't do that. Now, if I set up a machine or a tape recording of barking dogs, and they're breaking in, and all of a sudden it's activated, and the dogs start barking, sounds like... Rottweilers or Dobermans or pit bulls or something like that. Is it going to hurt anybody? No. Hopefully it'll scare them off. Probably won't, but it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not, in my opinion, very effective. But that's a device that might help you out, but it doesn't cause harm or injury to the intruder because that would be just setting a booby trap. And you can't do that. So penal code nine four. I'm sorry, nine three four. Protection of life or health. We discussed. And penal code nine four four. Use of device to protect property. Those are the things. Just some of the things that we go over in our classes that the state requires for you to know. And you sign off affidavits on after you take the class and you go to sign up online with the state to get your license. You're signing affidavits that you understand the laws. You know them. You'll apply them. So on and so forth. So that God forbid if you screw up. 
and you're into a court of law, they're going to pull those things up and say, well, you signed this, you knew it, you understand it, you did it anyway, that's not good for you. So you want to make sure you understand the law. So if you sign up for a class, go to aaronsgunshop.com, go to the License to Carry page, the LTC page, sign up for one of our classes, we'll go into this in depth, make sure you understand it. We have different ways of applying the knowledge into your brain so that you can retain it and memorize it, so that when the time comes, you won't have to worry about all the legalese jargon, you'll have these uh, pictures in your brain as to how to apply and how not to apply certain things. Okay, so that's that's our license to carry segment. Give us a call, 254-773-1400. If you want to be part of the show, give me an email at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com or just go directly to the website at aaronsgunshop.com. Okay, let's move on now to our NRA section of the program. In this section... I'm going to read to you three stories from the NRA's Armed Citizens page of the American Rifleman. And hopefully from these true stories, we can learn what to do and what not to do, and maybe even get a laugh or two in the process. It all depends on the story. And if you're not a member of the NRA, you might consider becoming one, because the more gun supporters they have, the more muscle they have to stop bad legislation. And we all know there's tons of bad legislation out there, right? So hopefully we can rectify that. The stories that I'm going to read to you today are from the most current issue of the Rifleman. That's from June 2016. I've got three of them here, just three today. And we're going to start off with number one. When a man broke into a home in Bangor, Michigan, he found himself staring down the barrel of a shotgun held by a female resident. The woman had been entertaining friends when they heard suspicious noises outside. While the guests went outside to investigate, the woman grabbed her shotgun. After the stranger broke in, she held him at gunpoint until the police arrived. My commentary. The woman got her shotgun. She didn't get scared. She didn't go to look to see what was happening unarmed. She got her shotgun. She then, con- took, she then took control and held the poor fool at gunpoint until the police arrived. What a woman. That's the way you do it. Okay? Story number two. Again, from June 2016. One employee responded to screams of active shooter at his workplace by running out to his car, retrieving his gun, tracking down the shooter, and holding him at gunpoint until the authorities arrived. The incident occurred at a Jacksonville, Florida landscaping company when a disgruntled employee shot and killed his supervisor. Someone who heard the shots called 911, but it was the armed citizen's quick action that prevented the malcontent from fleeing the scene. The suspect was later arrested and charged with one count of murder. My commentary. My commentary goes out to all you employers who either are anti-gunners or who are too concerned for your bottom line to allow employees to defend themselves. To you, I say this. Get your heads out of you-know-what. You, one day, they or me, may be saving your backside. And if that ever happens, don't you dare thank me. Just change your damn policies, okay? Story number three. Again, from June 2016. Now, ladies and gentlemen, on this story... If we just take it at face value, I'm going to give you a commentary. 
But what I want to do is not only just give you a commentary, but I want you to think about something here because now Texas is an open carry state. And if I can explain it properly, you're going to understand the angle I'm trying to come at and try to explain to you uh, of my thought process on this one. So let me read the story first. I'll give you my commentary, then I'll tell you what I'm thinking here. Dinner took an unexpected turn for an off-duty security guard who shot and killed one of two armed thugs who tried to rob him. The guard, who was on a late dinner break but was armed, was eating in the parking lot of a 24-hour Whataburg restaurant. The two criminals approached the diner. When the guard saw that at least one of the two miscreants had a gun, he pulled his own gun and killed the armed robber. That man's cohort fled, but he was later detained. All right, let me, let me give you my commentary on this. I want to use this story to talk about a potential problem here and how the concealed carry badge may come into effect here. If you listen to the story the way it is, okay, it's later proved that they were bad guys and everything went well for the security guard, okay? Saw that the robbery taking place, he took care of it, he had to use deadly force, he did it. But if you take the story the way it's written and just use the facts that are in the story, it gives us an opportunity to discuss something, and that is open carry here in Texas. A lot of people now choose to carry their weapon in the open. What a burger... The ones that I know do not have any signs up pertaining to 30-06 or 30-07. Although they had talked about putting 30-07 signs up where you can't carry in the open, I have not seen yet any to this day. So here you have the security guard eating his dinner in the parking lot, and he sees two people with guns. Because the story is not clear, let's just say the guns are on their hips. Now, if the guns are out and they're, and they're in their hands, of course, it's a no-brainer. But let's just say these two guys come up to the Whataburger and they've got their guns in their holster and then somebody mistakes it for a, a robbery in progress or something. Well, we've got, now that open carries there, we've got to wait and verify to ensure that these aren't just two law-abiding citizens getting a, a Whataburger late at night, okay? So what the... Security guard did because of who they are. Sure, good job, great job, way to go to defend yourself. All I'm saying is, ladies and gentlemen, be advised. There's people out there carrying in the open. That is why I promote the concealed carry badge so much. I was opposed to it before when we only had concealed carry, but I'm totally for it now because if I'm carrying like I'm carrying today and I go out there in public, my concealed carry badge is right next to my gun. And you know what happens when people see it? Nothing. Because subconsciously, they see the gun with the badge, and they say, okay, cool. Sure, you're going to have some bad people who are going to take and utilize that. Sure, you're always going to have that. But the bottom line is this. If you don't have a badge on you and people see you with a gun, they're going to look, question, wonder. If you have the badge, it puts a lot of people at ease. So all I'm saying is think about that before you do anything defensive when you see somebody with a gun and they don't have a badge and it's in their holster out in the open. Okay, so those are your three stories for the NRA's uh, segment. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be going over our PEP section. And in our PEP section, we're going to be talking about cosmoline and how it's used, made, so on and so forth, and how it comes in handy for preserving metals. So we'll be back on the other side. Paul, take us out. We'll be back in about a minute and a half. Aaron's Gun Shop and High Cap Adventures. If you've decided to carry a handgun for self-defense, you better know what you're doing. If you don't, you better learn fast. Not only fast, but thoroughly. 
Aaron's gun shop and high cap adventures fills the void between a Johnny wannabe and a person who has been properly trained in the proper handling and use of a firearm. Call me, Matt Betros, at 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com and set up a class or seminar to get you started on the road to proficiency with a firearm for self-defense. Go to our website, aaronsgunshop.com, and review the High Cap Adventures page. We have seminars to cover most forms of firearms training. Call 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com to get more information on how to get started with your training. The time for games is over. Reality starts now. Aaronsgunshop.com Everybody in the Aaron's High Cap Adventure Radio Program. Again, today is May 28, 2016. I'm your host, Matt, and we're here live for the next hour in a couple minutes or so. And before we go into our pep section, I want to tell you a whole bunch of stuff going on in the month of June and um, just some things that are happening. On June 11th and 12th, the Premier Gun Show at the Mayborn Center in Temple. That's going to be big. We're going to have a live remote on June 11th. That'll be Saturday. And this is going to be a very special show because the show on my other program, 105.1, 105.1 FM, The Ranch out of Cameron, will be a two-hour show backing right up to the other show, this one right now, the K-10 1400 show at 12 o'clock. So we're going to be on the air live, a live remote, Saturday the 11th at the Premier Gun Show at the Mayborn Center from 10 in the morning until 1.30 in the afternoon. So you need to stand by for that. It'll be a great show. Come on out and check us out. Say hi. Now, this is the first time Premier Gun Shows have been in Temple, and many people are anticipated in being there. There's going to be lots of guns, knives, accessories. So come out to the Premier Gun Show at the Mayborn Center in Temple, and shop around, meet the crew, and have a great time. And don't forget, I will have our laser training booth there, and I'm going to be giving personal critiques on how to enhance your shooting abilities. Um, it's just it's a great instantaneous way to see how you can correct your, your shooting. So come on out on June 11th and 12th to the Premier Gun Show at the Mayborn Center in Temple. Uh, we've got... A, a call on the line, but we're going to get to him in just a second as soon as I get done with all these announcements. Now, also, due to the unbelievable response to our ladies-only self-defense and home invasion training seminar for tomorrow, the 29th, I've had to set up another class. The next ladies-only self-defense and home invasion seminar will be June 25th. That will be a Sunday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., lunches included. This is a great seminar which covers many different areas, and by the time you leave that day, you'll feel much more confident about your abilities. So go to aaronsgunshop.com and go to the High Cap Adventures page and read all about it there on the, um, you'll see the pink flyer. And you can sign, there, uh, sign up there as well. Now, don't forget, a group of five or more people, we can set up a class date for you special on your own calendar. If you've got a date open and you want to do it on a certain day, we'll be more than happy to coordinate with you. So be sure to check out all the testimonials when you go to the website. And uh, watch the videos, read the uh, testimonials there. You'll get a good idea of what it's all about. Also, on Saturday, June 4th, 
I'll be conducting another license to carry class starting at 245. And once again, go to aaronsgunshop.com or go to the license to carry page to sign up for that one as well. Also, please, everybody, don't forget to go to our Facebook page. Be sure to like us there on Facebook. Let's get the numbers. Let's break 500 if we can. And this is big, too. On June 18th, which is a Saturday, I will be doing another live remote at the Cross-Eyed Bull. The Cross-Eyed Bull is an awesome antique store owned by Alan and Cynthia Lynch. Now, Alan and Cynthia have decided to be one of our new sponsors, so be sure to check them out online and come out and say hi at the live remote on the 18th of this month. The Cross-Eyed Bull is uh, it's in the Grove as you head towards Gateville. So if you're taking 36 out towards Gatesville, uh, it'll be on the right-hand side. It's probably about two-thirds of the way before you get to Gatesville. I'm also excited to announce another new sponsor, and that's WRB. WRB is owned by Bill Banlow and manufactures many gun accessories such as holsters, rifle cases, and gear bags. Now, I've known Bill for a long time, and he's nothing but customer-oriented, okay? And I personally have many of his products, and their quality is second to none. So go to WRBSales.com and check them out. Both of these new sponsors will be highly uh, on the program. Come uh, next program, we'll be having spotlights on their products and what they do, and we can talk about them. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my headset on here. We're going to see who's on the line and see what we've got going. Who do we got on the line? Welcome to the show. This is Bill from Temple. Good day to you. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Thanks for calling. Uh, yes, sir. You were talking about some kind of badge. Uh, I've got my concealed carry license, but uh, that it sounds like that would help. A lot of people would see me carrying, you know. Yes, sir. I'd have to agree with you. I, I put it to true application many times, and this, the results are the same. People don't even bat an eyelash, and when I don't wear it, People have a tendency to do a quick eyeball, and then once they see my demeanor and I'm okay, it's no worries. Also, Bill, I've talked to law enforcement. I've talked to sheriff, deputies, police officers, judges, all sorts of people, and asked them, would you hesitate if I was on a shoot defending my life and you came on the scene and you saw that badge? Would you give me a second or two evaluation before you thought I was a threat? And they all go, yes. So I think it's a very beneficial thing. To the people out there who may not be as comfortable with a gun around, they see the badge subconsciously, they see the gun and the badge, and they say, hey, uh, it's a little calmer situation. What do you think? How do I get the badge? <laughs> well, we've got them. I've got them in stock. They're ready to go. I've, also, I've got the badges in gold and silver, and they come with the leather backing, and you can put them right on your belt, and um, we can square you away if you want. You know, After the show here, uh, I'll have Paul get your name and phone number, and I can call you up, and uh, we can take care of the business after the show. All right, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Thank you. All right. Let's get back over here to what we're doing. And we're going to talk about our pep section now. Our pep section, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, before I do that, I have one more announcement I want to make. If you have some land good for cattle grazing and are wanting to lease it to maintain your ag exemption, I'm going to ask that you call a number in just a second. We've got some excellent folks ready to lease today and Minor fence repair is okay. It's not a problem. So if you can call 512-914-7110. That's 512-914-7110. If you've got some uh, land good for cattle grazing and want to maintain your you know, ag exempt, minor fence repair is okay. Please call the number 512-914-7110. Thank you very much on that. And let's move to our PEP section. 
Our PEP section today is going to go over cosmoline. In case you don't know what PEP means, it means two things when I teach it, depending on the topic. It's either preparation eliminates panic, because the more prepared we are and something happens, we won't have to panic, right? So it's preparation or practice eliminates panic. So if you're shooting your weapons and you're practicing becoming proficient, it'll eliminate the need for panic because you're much more prepared and skilled at what you do. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been in the military or are a prepper worth your salt, you know what I'm talking about when I say the word cosmoline. If you're a gun collector, specifically a CNR collector, you know what cosmoline's all about. Now, for those of you who don't, stand by and I'm going to tell you. But my first experience with cosmoline was when I was around 10 years old. And back in those days... You could order, I'm 53 years old. For all you people in that age, you understand what I'm talking about. But back in those days, you could order almost anything you wanted through the mail and uh, at age 10 and probably not get arrested, okay? But I ordered a Marine Corps combat knife. And like I said, instead of being arrested, you'd probably get an officer come up to you and say, hey man, where'd you get that? Because they want to order their own. But it was all, it was covered. When I ordered the knife, it, was, it came in all this cosmoline. The, the knife and the sheath were all covered in cosmoline. They were mummified in this stuff. And then the knife was preserved beautifully. So when I took it all off, and I'm looking at this gem, teeth were all covered in cosmoline. They were mummified in this stuff. And then the knife was preserved beautifully. So when I took it all off, and I'm looking at this gem, it was great. But most of the cosmoline was still moist, which made it easy to come off with like WD-40. If it's moist, it'll come off pretty easy with WD-40. Ever since that knife, every time I see cosmoline on something, I get a little giddy because I wonder what kind of treasure is underneath all that cosmoline. Okay, so I don't keep you in suspense. Let me. What I did here was I looked up cosmoline on the internet and I got the Wikipedia about it. So I'm going to read to you what cosmoline is to get a better understanding of it and how it's applied. And then later on in the show, ladies and gentlemen, I was talking about Rick Dyer about protect rust-proof bags. This is going to be a great segue from Cosmoline, which is a great product, to um, these rust-proof bags that Rick and I are going to talk about, which makes it from messy to neat, but gets the same job done. Okay, but let me talk to you about Cosmoline first. I got this from Wikipedia, and I'll read it for you here right now. Cosmoline is the generic-sized trademark for a generic class of rust presentatives, typically conforming to the United States military standard MIL-C-11796C Class 3, that are brown-colored wax-light mass, have a slight fluorescence, and have a petroleum-like odor and taste as detected when working with it. Here's the description. Chemically, cosmoline is a homogeneous mixture of oily and waxy long-chain non-polar hybrid hydrocarbons. It is always brown in color, but can differ in viscosity and sheer strength. Cosmoline melts at 113 to 125 degrees Fahrenheit and has a flash point of 365 degrees Fahrenheit. Its most common use is in the storage and preservation of some firearms, hand tools, machine tools, and their tooling and marine equipment. Entire vehicles can be preserved with cosmoline. Notable Egyptologist Dr. Zahi Hawass recently disclosed that ancient Egyptian mummification practices from the 3rd to 5th dynasties utilized a chemical compound molecularly similar to cosmoline. That was interesting. Cosmoline is also frequently applied to automotive disc brake rotors at the factory to prevent corrosion inside the box before the rotor is placed into service on a vehicle. 
It is easily removed by spraying brake cleaner on the braking surfaces of the rotor. Now, during World War II, U.S. Coast Artillerymen serving in the huge coastal artillery batteries were known as Cosmoliners because they were tasked with the near-constant Cosmoline application or greasing down of the guns. Cosmoline was also used to coat weapons, including entire tanks, for long sea voyages, and it prevented rust even in salty conditions. During Pacific Island campaigns in World War II, the United States Marines sang a song about Cosmoline. If, if you were out there in the Pacific and you were a Marine during that time, and you know what I'm talking about here, that'd be cool if you called up and talked about it. But anyway, back to the story. Adapting to the popular Big Bang tune, Tangerine, they would sing Cosmoline, Keeps My Rifle Clean. Despite this, most servicemen found Cosmoline bothersome to remove. Many felt that Cosmoline was not only for preserving the weapon and preventing rust, but also for making soldiers' lives miserable. Due to the gelatinous nature, Cosmoline can be difficult to remove completely from firearms and such as being extensively replaced with some type of vacuum-packed film products, which is going to bring us once again back to Rick Dyer for the um, Protect Rust Bags, Rough Proof Bags, that will be coming up about 1 o'clock. Okay, the aging solidification and removal. Cosmoline that is fairly fresh or that has been hermetically sealed in a plastic bag or shrink wrap remains a grease-like fluid and mostly wipes off with a rag, leaving only a thin film behind. Cosmoline that is older and has had air exposure usually solidifies after a few years and the volatile hydrocarbon fraction evaporates and leaves behind only the waxy hydrocarbon fraction. The solid wax does not readily wipe off. It can be scraped off, although the scraping is laborious and leaves crumbs to be swept and vacuumed away. One method that may help remove cosmolines is to simply apply gentle heat sufficient to melt the waxy hydrocarbons. The cosmoline may then be wiped off, wiped off the metal and allow to be dripped off the wood. Another useful method of cleaning a tool or crusted cosmoline of crusted cosmoline is to allow a penetrating oil, such as CRC or CLP or equivalent, to soak into it for several minutes or hours, which typically restores it to a fluid state, allowing it to be wiped off. An additional method of cosmoline removal on new parts is to use a closed cabin parts washer that utilizes a power wash process. Removal of cosmoline with with a parts washer requires high heat, uh, the proper detergent, and the correct hydraulic impact pressure. All cleaning methods create waste that must be disposed of in a proper manner. Washing or solvent cleaning both have accepted methods to dispose of the sludge created. And cosmoline is mostly waxes and hydrocarbons and creates a regulated waste that is not difficult to dispose of properly. It has been reported that talcum powder can be used as an absorbent of cosmoline by packing the powder around the item to be clean and applying sufficient heat to melt the solid film, allowing the compound to be wicked from the coated surface into the talcum, which can be scraped off more easily. Soldiers often use gasoline or any other type of petroleum-based solvent to clean cosmically off stored weapons, an effective but messy and potentially dangerous process or practice. That's cosmoline. I'm very familiar with cosmoline. Very familiar with it. But that's one great product that has been over the years a method of keeping metal free from rust. Paul, do we have somebody else on the line? No? Okay. 
So that, with that, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and look up Cosmoline. Check it out for yourself. You may have something at your home already. Anybody who's got some guns or a CNR collector, I know for sure you understand what Cosmoline and what it takes to clear it. If you've got some special tips or tricks on how to remove Cosmoline that's been you know, waxed up, hardened up to get them off your weapons, give us a call here at 254-773-1400. Love to hear what your practices of simply and easily removing um, waxy type of Cosmoline from the weapon. Okay, Paul, we're going to take another break. And ladies and gentlemen, when we come back from that break, we're going to go over our topic of interest today, which is going to be Memorial Day, which is on Monday. Let's do a little history of what Memorial Day is all about so we can have it in our hearts and our minds a lot better than just going to the mall and buying something on sale. So we'll be back in just a little bit. Memorial Day. Let's talk about Memorial Day here. Once again, I pulled it up from Wikipedia just because it's a quick reference and it lays it all out perfectly here. Let's talk about it. Memorial Day. Memorial Day is a federal holiday in the United States for remembering the people who died while serving their con- in their country's armed forces. The holiday, which is observed every year on the last day of May, originated as Decoration Day after the American Civil War in 1868 when the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union veterans founded in Decatur, Illinois, established it as the time for the nation to decorate the graves of the war dead with flowers. By the 20th century... Competing Union and Confederate holiday traditions celebrated on different days had emerged, had merged, and Memorial Day eventually extended to honor all Americans who died while in the military service. It typically marks the start of summer vacation season, while Labor Day marks its end. Many people visit cemeteries and memorials, particularly to honor those who have died in military service. Many volunteers place an American flag on each grave in national cemeteries. The history of the holiday. The practice of decorating soldiers' graves with flowers is an ancient custom. Soldiers' graves were decorated in the U.S. before and during the American Civil War. A claim was made in 1906 that the first Civil War was the first Civil War soldier's grave ever decorated was in Warrington, Virginia, on June 3rd of 1861, implying the first Memorial Day occurred there. Though not for Union soldiers, there is authentic documentation that the woman in Savannah, Georgia, decorated Confederate soldiers' graves in 1862. In 1863, the cemetery dedicated at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, was a ceremony of commemoration at the graves of dead soldiers. Local historians in Bowlesburg, Pennsylvania, claim that the ladies there decorated soldiers' graves on July 4, 1864. And as a result, Bowlesburg promotes itself as the birthplace of Memorial Day. Following President Abraham Lincoln's assassination in April 1865, there were a variety of events of commemoration. The the sheer number of soldiers on both sides who died in the Civil War, more than 600,000, meant that the burial and memorialization took on a new cultural significance. Under the leadership of women during the war, an increasingly formal practice of decorating graves had taken shape. In 1865, the federal government began creating national military seminaries, seminaries, excuse me, cemeteries for the Union war dead. Name and date. The preferred name for the holiday gradually changed from Decoration Day to Mem- Memorial Day, which was first used in 1882. It did not become more common until after World War II and was not declared the official name by federal law until 1967. On June 28, 1968, the Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, which moved four holidays, including Memorial Day, from their traditional dates to a specified Monday in order to create a convenient 
three-day weekend. And this is where it starts to rub me a little bit, okay? You'll understand as I read just a little bit more. The changed move Memorial Day from its traditional May 30th date to the last Monday in May. The law took effect in the federal level at the federal level in 1971. After some initial confusion and unwillingness to comply, all 50 states adopted Congress's change of the date within a few years. Memorial Day endures as a holiday which most businesses observe because it marks the unofficial beginning of summer. Now listen up. The veterans of foreign wars, VFW, and sons of Union Federates of Civil War advocate returning to the original date. Although the significance of the date is tenuous, the F- the VFW stated in a 2002 Memorial Day address, address, changing the date merely to create three-day weekends has undermined the very meaning of the day. No doubt that this has contributed a lot to the general public's nonchalant observance of Memorial Day. Amen to that. So instead of remembering our war dead, we're remembering that, oh gosh, I got to hit Macy's because they got a Memorial Day sale. It just doesn't click with me. Starting in 1987, Hawaii Senator Daniel Inouye, I believe it's pronounced, a World War II veteran, introduced a measure to return Memorial Day to its traditional date. He continued introducing the resolution until his death in 2012. Traditional observance. On Memorial Day, the flag of the United States... This is, this is really cool. This is important to know. This is neat to know. So here we go. On Memorial Day, the flag of the United States is raised briskly to the top of the staff and then solemnly lowered to half-staff position where it remains only until noon. It is then raised to full staff for the remainder of the day. The half-staff position remembers the more than one million men and women who gave their lives in service to their country. At noon, their memory is raised by the living who resolve not to let their sacrifice be in vain, but to rise up and continue to fight for liberty and justice for all. The National Memorial Day concert takes place on the West Lawn of the United States Capitol, and the concert is broadcast on PBS, NPR. Music is performed, and respect is paid to the men and women who gave their lives for their country. I did not know this. This is about poppies. You see veterans selling the poppies? Well, let me explain it to you. In 1915, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, a physician with the Canadian Expeditionary Force, wrote the poem, In Flanders Fields. Its opening lines referred to fields of poppies that grew among the soldiers' graves in Flanders. In 1918, inspired by the poem, YWCA worker Molina Michael attended the YWCA's Overseas War Secretary's Conference wearing a silk poppy pinned to her coat and distributed over two dozen more to other present, others present. In 1920, the National American Legion adopted it as their official symbol of remembrance. So now you know about Memorial Day, where it comes from, what it means. So this weekend and Monday specifically, let's remember our war dead thank them very much for their services that they gave. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. And also for all those who are serving now in uniform, I thank you for your service. And everybody, when you see a person in uniform, give them a salute, buy them a drink, get them a Coke, do something, a hot dog, just tell them thanks for what they're doing. Because this is a volunteer army. It's not a draft. They're doing it because they want to do it. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do our gun spotlight. And then at the top of the hour, we're going to have our special guest, Rick Dyer from ProTech Rust Proof Gun Bags. I can't wait for that one. That's going to be an interesting conversation. So we'll be back on the other side. 
Aaron's Gun Shop and High Cap Adventures. If you've decided to carry a handgun for self-defense, you better know what you're doing. If you don't, you better learn fast. Not only fast, but thoroughly. Aaron's Gun Shop and High Cap Adventures fills the void between a Johnny wannabe and a person who has been properly trained in the proper handling and use of a firearm. Call me, Matt Betros, at 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com and set up a class or seminar to get you started on the road to proficiency with a firearm for self-defense. Go to our website, aaronsgunshop.com, and review the High Cap Adventures page. We have seminars to cover most forms of firearms training. Call 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com to get more information on how to get started with your training. The time for games is over. Reality starts now. aaronsgunshop.com Welcome back, everybody. Aaron's High Cap Adventure Radio Program, May 28, 2016. We're here live for the next 35 minutes. We're getting right into our product spotlight. The Sega 410 Semi-Automatic Shotgun. Ladies and gentlemen, being good friends with Arch Kuntz, the owner of ANC Firearms and Hyden Hammer, definitely has its advantages. I've known Arch for 15 years, and in that time, I've been friend, customer, and fellow businessman. I've come to realize a few things with certainty when it comes to Arch. Number one, he's a nice guy. Two, he's a friendly guy. Three, he's a good friend. Four, he's very patriotic. Five, he always offers a soda or a drink to somebody who walks in the door. Six, if he ain't right, he'll fix it. Or if, if it ain't right, it'll, he'll fix it. And seven, if he ain't got it, He'll do his darnest to get it for you. And yes, I said ain't for emphasis. And sometimes he has things you're not even looking for, and bam, there it is, pun intended. Well, while rummaging through his guns, I found one in the corner behind some other guns, and I said, oh boy, look what I found. The Russian Sega 410 semi-automatic shotgun. Ladies and gentlemen, they don't import Segas anymore, so the ones here are hard to get. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about this shotgun. Again, it's a Sega 410 Semi-Auto, and Arch Kuntz at ANC Firearms in Hyden Hammer has one right now. Also, if you go to the Aaron's Gun Shop Facebook page and look at the picture, as I talk to you about it, you get to see what it looks like. So I'm going to read to you a part of an article by Dan Alex from the MilitaryFactory.com website. He explains it pretty well, so I just thought I'd read that to you, parts of it, to explain what the gun is. You need to go check it out. Call up Arch at ANC Firearms at 254 983 4417. I've already had emails and calls about this gun, asking about it, if it's still available, so on and so forth. I don't know if it's still there. Call up quick. If you're looking for one of those, they're hard to find, hard to get. But this is from MilitaryFactor.com by Dan Alex. While automatic firing shotguns are slowly entering the firearms forefront, there is something to be said for the power inherent to the self-loading shotgun. The Sega 410 from Russia is one such implement that supplies the fire with a steady repeating fire quality seen in battle rifles the world over 
and this from a tried and true Kalishnikov lineage. As such, the 410 series retains some visible similarities to the famous Soviet-era assault rifle design, particularly at the receiver, and comes from a proven pedigree that most other weapons would envy. Essentially, the Sega 410 series melds the Kalishnikov firing action with the 410 cartridge, hence the designation of 410. The Sega 410 can fire both buckshot and slug-type ammunition from a 2-, 4-, or 10-round ammunition supply through a detachable box magazine. The 410-gauge barrel is a smoothbore in its design and is designed to accept various chokes at the muzzle as required for different spread effects. Overall, the weapon is intended for small to medium-sized game hunting as well as defense and security while proving a highly robust and reliable firearm since its inception in 1995. Outwardly, the Sega 410 certainly takes on a distinct appearance when compared to traditional shotgun designs. The AK receiver appearance is more or less retained with its right-side ejection port, charging handle, and large fire selector lever. The prominent magazine release catch found on the AK series is also identifiable in the Sega 410 design. Um, this is just after the magazine well. The trigger sits within a near rectangular ring while magazines are of a straight design. Depending on, depending on the production model, the stock can be wooden or polymer in its construction and fixed solid or hollowed frame. The forestock can also be finished in wood or polymer depending on the model in question. The gas cylinder is mounted atop the barrel under the handguard shrouding to which the barrel extends the distance ahead, and this arrangement being very typical of a Kalishnikov-inspired firearm. Some 410 models also retain the AK-style forend to which the end of the gas cylinder is clearly visible in its connection to the barrel and even as AK-style front post sight is clearly identifiable. While the iron sights are standard, specialized optics can be affixed to the rear portion of the receiver top portion to the receiver top via an accessories rail uh, for more accurized firing. In all, the Sega 410 exhibits very clean lines while not hiding its devastating intentions. Standard range for the basic slug ammunition is about 100 meters. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an awesome shotgun. I've had the 12. I've seen the 20. Uh, there, there's, it's a great shotgun. If you're looking for a uh, battle-proof <laughs> Reliable semi-automatic shotgun and 410. Call up Arch at ANC Firearms, 254-983-4417. Call them up, see if they even still got it, because that's a hot item. Somebody's going to pick it up fast. Give them a call, see if it's there. Go to my website, aaronsgunshop.com. Go to the Facebook page, check it out. And um, you'll be happy you got it. Okay, Paul, we're going to take a break. It's top of the hour. We're going to get our guest on here, Rick Dyer. I'm going to get him on the line here, and we're going to talk to him and get set up after our next commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Rick Dyer, uh, producer, founder, owner, businessman. Rick, we're going to have to clarify that because I'm not 100% sure where we're at on that uh, as for the rust-proof Protec bag. So we'll be back on the other side. Aaron's Gun Shop and High Cap Adventures. If you've decided to carry a handgun for self-defense, you better know what you're doing. If you don't, you better learn fast. Not only fast, but thoroughly. Aaron's Gun Shop and High Cap Adventures fills the void between a Johnny wannabe and a person who has been properly trained in the proper handling and use of a firearm. Call me, Matt Betros, at 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com and set up a class or seminar to get you started on the road to proficiency with a firearm for self-defense. Go to our website, aaronsgunshop.com, and review the High Cap Adventures page. We have seminars to cover most forms of firearms training. Call 254-697-4721 or email me at aaronsgunshop at gmail.com to get more information on how to get started with your training. 
The time for games is over. Reality starts now. Aaronsgunshop.com Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited about our guest here. Um, this is like a spur-of-the-moment type of deal. I've been dealing with this product, Protec Rust Proof Bags, for a long time, probably from, I'd have to say, 98, 99, 1998, 99, and I am totally happy with it. And at a whim, I just was looking up his website, and I saw this number, and I called the number. I just wanted to see what kind of information would be on it, and I got Rick, okay, Rick Dyer of the Protect Rust Proof Bags, and I'm uh, we're very fortunate to link up, even on Memorial Day weekend, and get him on the line. Hey, Rick, are, are you there? Can you hear us? You bet, Matt. I don't hear him, Paul. Stand by, Rick. No problem. Stand by. I cannot hear him. If he's talking to me, I can't hear him. Okay, Matt, I am talking to you. Uh, hold on one second. I'll tell you what. Give us, go back to some music real quick until we get this squared away. We'll be right back, everybody. I think you heard me when I was saying I was just like looking up your website. I've been using your product for a long time, and I just was fortunate. I just found your phone number on the website. I didn't think it would be your personal phone. And I got a hold of you, and we made contact, and we got you on the radio here. What I want to do, Rick, is I want to read to, I want to, read to everybody a, a real brief bio. And if there's anything left out, please fill it in. I want the people to know who you are, what you do, so on and so forth. And we've also got a, a list of questions, frequently asked questions, and I want to make some of my commentaries too. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you a little bit about Rick real fast. He grew up in western Pennsylvania and has been around firearms all his life. He made it to Texas by way of the military and never found a reason to leave. Amen to that. He's lived in central Texas, Fort Hood, uh, north and south Texas, where he started the company and currently has the ProTech business in the Dallas area in Frisco. He's worked for two major corporations and has a chemistry background, which is cool, that pointed him towards the concepts behind the no-rest bag products has produced the bags for over 20 years and has a customer base throughout the 50 states and international customers as well, and I can totally understand why. Has an active website, online business, sells to retailers and sells guns at shows around the country and the local areas. Rick, now, first of all, say hi to everybody out there, Rick. Let's get everybody to hear you. Matt, just want to say hi to all the, all the listeners out there and sure appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk to you today. I know you've been using the product for a long time, Almost as long as we've been in business, because we've had 20 years to kind of work on this. That, so uh, you, came, you came in pretty early in the process. I'm going to be honest with you, Rick. When I first saw it, I go, no way. I mean, come on. This guy's whoever's selling this thing, it's a gimmick. You know, it's not going to work. But man, man, does it work. But I want to ask you a question, Rick. You've got here, when I was reading your bio, it says a chemistry background. I wanted to ask you this question right from the get-go. Did you design this, or was it already designed, and you figured to put it in bag forms? Well, that, that, that little uh, twick on there for my, uh, for my background in the military is really what did it, Matt. When, uh, that's where we first saw the product. We didn't know what it was, didn't know what it was for, but we saw some, some firearms that we were getting, a T.O.N.E. unit, um, that were in a yellow plastic bag. And... Um, we started doing a little checking around and find out that it really did keep them from rusting. And that was about what we knew about it at the time because VCI has been used in, in industry for quite a few years. Clar like, clarify what that is, the VCI. I know, I know what it is because I got it here, but tell everybody what that is. Sure. Um, and it's been used in industry for about 45 or 50 years. But VCI is a vapor phase corrosion inhibitor. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, it's in the polyethylene when it's extruded. So it's not on it, it's actually in it. We saw it in the military, um, and if we figured, we 
figured that if it was good enough for the military to start using, there must be some more information behind it. VCI is all over the Internet. There's nothing magic about VCI um, because it is a, a, a die-hard product that's been used for a long time. This product was one that made it very, very easy to use. It hadn't been that easy to use, but when the company that we buy the film from, now we do not make the film. Uh, that's a large industrial application. But the VCI is in the polyethylene film. When you put a firearm into that bag, that VCI comes out of the polyethylene, and it's actually attracted to the metal, kind of like a magnet. That VCI sits on the surface of the metal. It doesn't allow water vapor to get through it, so you don't have any rust. That's a real quick thumbnail description of how it works and the fact that it is vapor phase corrosion inhibitor. Let me ask you something. If, if you're saying it the way you're saying it, the bag is encoded, it is. So in reality, as the this is probably a poor choice of words, so you correct me. As the bag decomposes, it's penetrating the gun. It doesn't the bag itself doesn't keep decompose, but it's actually taking the bag is saturated with this stuff or it's built of it, and as it penetrates the gun, it's coming off the bag. Is there any point in time that the bag loses its effectiveness? Yeah, Matt Matt, we talk about the, the military spec on it. And you can't argue with that uh, because the military knows what they do with the product. They will replace it after five years. After five years, most of the VCI that's in that polyethylene has left the polyethylene and has either gone into the atmosphere or been deposited on your gun, okay? But it does, it does exit the, the polyethylene uh, and will over time, and the military says five years, although they can't guarantee it's going to be kept in climate control. So you can probably press that window a little bit. But for the price of the product, it's really not worth it. All right, I want to be clear here because you're, you're making a comment that's making me have a question. If, Let's say, for example, well, if the gun is in the bag and the gun is now being penetrated by the VCI, the vapor phase corrosion inhibitor, okay? Huh? And the gun now has it on it. As long as I don't take it out of the bag, you would think, since the pores of the metal and all that are sealed now with this VCI, as long as I don't take it out of the bag, wouldn't it maintain itself almost indefinitely? I would think what you're saying the five years is if the gun is in and out of the bag and you start to use up the vapor part of it and there's no longer any more left to penetrate the metal. But if it's put in the bag the first time and then kept in there, does it maintain itself almost indefinitely because it doesn't have access to open air? Well, any polyethylene is porous, Matt. Um, when you get down to that molecular level, there are things that will pass through polyethylene. The VCI molecule is a very, very small molecule. So when it's in the polyethylene, when it's extruded, it can come out on both sides. I mean, it's coming out the outside as well as coming out the inside. So that VCI is disappearing from the polyethylene. Okay, would you consider... That the VC, I, I don't know if you heard the show. I know you were doing a lot of things this weekend. I don't know if you got to hear my Cosmoline section. Did you happen to hear that? I did hear some, but I was, I was just twitching in my skin. <laughs> Why don't you give the, the audience out there an, an idea, if I'm not putting you on the spot, 
how cosmoline is compared to what these rust-proof bags are, and I know why it's so freaking fantastic. I don't have to deal with the cosmoline. But now, for for example, like if I got cosmoline on a weapon, it may last for a long time because I know there's guns in storage for a long time. But you've got the repercussions of that. You've got to clean it off the weapon. It's not ready to use out of the bag. But can you give us an example or explain to us the difference between the VCI as compared to what I just talked about, cosmoline? Yeah, there's, there's a, I guess the, the concept, Matt, is if you seal something up and protect it from air, you're going to keep it from rusting, okay? Because oxidation happens. If you had something in a totally hermetically sealed container of some sort, you'd never have any problem with rust. But we know that's virtually impossible to do for us. Maybe NASA can do something if they're headed for the moon. But for us, um, that's, that's virtually impossible to do because even a sealed bag is still porous. There are things that still will pass through it. Um, a Ziploc is not 100% seal. Okay? Well, then, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me stop you on a second. Uh, what's, what's hermetically sealed, then? What makes that... What, what kind of material is being used there that it's not porous? Do you know the answer to that one, or am I putting you on the spot? No, I, I don't know if anything's ever done like that, Matt, because anything that, that I know about, and Cosmoline stands, stands in that same group of, of products, is that over time, it will deteriorate. Okay. I guess everything does, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. And whether it turns into that shellac, which finally ends up on a lot of the old World War II weapons you see, which you're trying to get off. Right. That dries up enough and cracks. Now you're, open, you're opened up to having water vapor get to that metal, and that's where you're going to have rust. Okay. So I, I kept cutting you off, and I apologize. So I think you were continuing to explain the difference between the Cosmoline and the VCI. Did, I, did you finish it up, or are we still... Yeah, I, no, I think that's a, that's a pretty good explanation. And again, you know, the Cosmoline is a grease. It is, it is used as a, a sealer to keep um, water vapor from getting to the metal. Now, if you could do that on a long-term basis, um, you'd have a product that, that was even better than our product. We say five years because that VCI does disappear. The VCI can also be used in a safe, okay, mm-hmm. because it's totally safe on wood, plastic, and optics. So now I was I was mentioning your scope when you're going to store your weapon, unlike Cosmoline, which is a petroleum based product, which will just tear the heck out of the optics on a scope. Well, now let's let's go back over this because, man, that's a totally good hot spot right there. If you've got a weapon and you want it combat ready and you've got your optics and your lights and all this kind of stuff on it, the Cosmo, there's no way with Cosmoline. It would take forever for you to get the gun combat ready. OK, but now in your bag, you're saying if I've got optics on it or I've got lights on it, or I'm storing um, a bayonet that goes with it, or maybe supportive batteries that go with my lights. So I, I can just say, hey, I need this gun. Boom, it's not rusted. I just pull it out of the bag. It's ready to go. That's the way to go because your bag does not affect those electronics or anything like that, right? Absolutely correct. Totally safe on wood, plastic, optics. So the only thing you need to do is clean that weapon and have it clean when you put it in the bag, and it's sitting there waiting for you to take it out. And you can take that bag out of you can take the weapon out of the bag as many times as you want in that five-year period, and it is still ready to go. Now, five years can be a long time or a short time, depending on how you want to think about it. But our normal bag for a normal rifle is about a $5 product. Okay, So for about a buck a year, you're keeping your, your $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 weapon protected from rust, and all you had to do was clean it when you come back from the range and put it in the bag. Hey, let me tell you something, Rick. I've had your product since about '98. I bought many of them, okay? And because I learned this the hard way, I had a, um, I had a weapon 
in a case with foam that I thought was airtight. <laughs> I was wrong. Opened it up. It was nothing but a piece of rust. I've, I've put guns in your bags. And then, depending on what I do with them, I'll put them in a gun case. Or I may, and I want, I'll hold this off because I wanted to ask you about this about a plastic bag. But I put the, rust, the gun in a rust-proof bag, one of your Protect rust-free bag things. And I put it in a gun case. And I can assure you it's been a lot longer than five years. And the gun comes out pristine. It's like I just put it in there yesterday. And because I am a big user of your bags, and I use it a lot for many different things for long-term storage, I'm telling you right now in the audience listening, my gosh, you pull it out of the bag, and it's as though I just put it in there yesterday. So I, I know you got to stick with five years, but I'm telling you, man, that thing lasts for a long time. Yeah, I do have some that I've been using longer than that too, Matt. Um, we, we know and can absolutely stand behind that, that five years knowing that in the military, they can't guarantee it's going to be kept in climate-controlled storage. So it that's just that's just CYA. Old. Yeah. So we just we tell you to go ahead and replace it again. Um, it's certainly not going to not going to be like you have to go buy a three hundred dollar unit of some kind to keep it protected. You're using foam. That's a good way to keep it from getting knocked around. But it it's really bad if you're going to store your weapon because. When you close that, that foam case around a weapon, you're actually trapping any moisture that you have in the area right in on top of that weapon. You'd be better off taking the weapon and just laying on a table somewhere. That's right. Uh, because I, any, any moisture, you've now trapped in there. I and if you've ever had to clean that foam off a weapon, I'm not sure which is easier, cleaning the foam off it or, uh, or cosmoline, because that stuff will dry up, and it, it just attacks the bluing on a weapon also. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Um, I've been both rounds. Your way is the best way to go. Now, Rick, when we were talking prior to this interview, I had mentioned to you how sometimes I would put uh, my weapon in your bag, and then I would put that bag in a waterproof bag with a zipper. So let's let's clarify this, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, help me out on this, Rick. You've got different sizes. Can you tell me the different sizes you have? I know you got the pistol, and then you got. I think you may have a standard length, or you may have a couple of different lengths when it comes to rifle. But the rifle ones don't have zippers or enclosures, and we'll get to that in a second. But why don't you talk to me about the different size bags that you've got? Sure, we've got all the pistol sizes and all the rifle sizes, Matt. For um, I would guess ninety-eight to one hundred percent of anything anybody might have, and we can make custom bags. If you come to me and say I need a bag. That's you know, 48 inches wide and 50 inches long. You know, we can make you that bag. Our, our normal stuff is built basically around the fact that you've got a six-inch revolver, okay, and you've got a shotgun or a rifle. Okay, those two bags will be a 9 by 12 bag or a 9 by 52 bag. I know, but you know, I carry I carry like two bags in your pistol bag, two guns in your pistol bag. It fits perfect. Yeah, no problem with that, except I just got to be careful you don't get them knocked around and banged into each other inside the bag. But that's, that's not a problem whatsoever. We've got um, wider bags for ARs. We do have a 12-inch wide bag. Our 9-inch bag is our standard. It's 52 inches long, gives you plenty of, of space. And, Matt, you may not be aware of it, but we do have a Ziploc on the long bag now. Oh, I did not know that. No, because the ones that I've gotten have always been open-ended. I guess it was based on the length of the rifle, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this 10-by-50 this, uh, bag, We'll basically handle the same thing in a 9 by 52 because on, on a, a plain end bag, we just ask you to take the end of that bag and turn it over two cuffs and put a clip, uh, put a piece of tape, anything that's convenient for you to use because we don't depend on an airtight seal. The Ziplocs on our bags are only there for convenience. 
And now that's very important. Right? Pre- that, that, that is very important because based on our conversation now, and I've talked to you before, that vapor is penetrating. We're not looking to keep and keep it as a waterproof bag. We're keeping it as a, a water-resistant bag in the sense of moisture on the gun. And this is going to bring up to my next question. So you've got this vapor, and let's say you've got this bag, and you turned it over a couple of times on the end and closed it off with tape or clips or whatever. And now I was, I was talking about this before, about putting it into a waterproof bag as a secondary level of protection. You know what I'm talking about on that one? Yes, sir. Absolutely do. Why don't you uh, expand upon that, if you don't mind? That's something you could do, Matt, and your trust in that waterproof seal is up to you. I don't use them because we don't, we don't plan on going underwater uh, with, with anything in our bags. Um, but that would be a bag that I guess it's advertised to, to be able to go underwater. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the use of that product is, but, um, you know, we, we also um, say that our product can be used very, very well with any kind of long-term storage that you might want to do. Um, there's a lot of product out there that's, that's available. One is, that, is uh, called the MonoVault. I'm not sure if you've heard of that before or not. No. But that's a, that's a container that can be used um, to store weapons in that has a waterproof and airtight seal on it. It cranks down. It's a gamma seal. It's an industry standard seal uh, that can be used. And if you're using our product, you just put our product in the back, put your weapon in our product, put that into the container, and then you would have more or less of a sealed container, okay? Mm-hmm. So that would, that's, that's a plastic tube as opposed to your, the bag that you were just talking about that has a, a waterproof seal on it. Again, I'm not real familiar with that seal, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's nothing major. It's just a plastic bag with a zipper on it to keep water out of the bag. Okay, that's basically, but I'm thinking it's a double protection layer. You've got this rust-proof bag of yours, which is sure. freaking awesome. And then you got just one more barrier from water to get in it. Absolutely. That's all, that's all I was saying. But, Rick, I want to ask you something. The, um, there's two different ways to store a weapon. The one way is break it down to its minimal bulk size and put it in a bag and store it. And then there's the method that I like, where it's when it comes out of the bag, it's ready to go. Optics are on, magazine is in, the whole works, which causes, let's use an AR-15 or M16 or whatever you want to call it, okay, as an example. The weapon has the magazine in, the optic is in, and I'll tell you why I bring this up. One of my new sponsors, WRB, um, from Gun Barrel, Texas, that's pretty cool too, he... um, he made a special design for me. I came up with the specifications that I wanted to to make my SOB bag, my um, special operator's bag. And I said, oh, I need a bag because most of these bags will only take the weapon with the magazine out. And I understand people got this thing about the safety, and I totally get it. But this is not the purpose of the bag. The purpose of the bag is when I open up that bag and that gun comes out, I'm ready to pull the freaking trigger. Now, your bags, your Protect bags, I know they're kind of slim. And I, on some of them, I might have to take the the magazine out. Do you make them wider where you could potentially have the gun ready to come out of the bag, ready to use at a moment's notice? Normally we don't, Matt. We've got a 12-inch bag that will hold most of the ARs that you might want to put it in, and even some of the Barretts. Uh, our 9-inch bag uh, will hold most rifles. But if you have a magazine um, coming down on the bottom of that weapon, it does make it a little longer than our bags are normally designed for. Um, but, but we you... can make you any size you want. Um, yes, okay. for practical purposes. If we have a, uh, we just haven't seen a lot of demand for a wider bag, wider than twelve inches. Um, well, I'll be honest with you, Rick. There's not a lot of people who think like me. <laughs> okay, I, I understand, and, and we're we're here to 
be able to meet virtually any needs you might have. Well, can I ask you, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot or not, but if somebody says, hey, Rick, I, you know, this is my concept idea. What does it take to get bags like this? Do you have a certain quantity that you would have to require from somebody to make a bag of certain sizes, or is it easy enough for you to make a bag upon request that doesn't cost a dramatic amount of money? Yeah, you can take a look at our at our site. You can see the prices we have, Matt. That uh, the fifty two inch bag to hold an AR um, is a is a seven ninety five bag. Okay, that's, so that's, that's an eight dollar yeah. bag. Um, by by coming into a, a custom bag, we don't have exactly the same process to make that, but we can make that for you. And I, I would expect probably in any kind of quantity, and that's anything above ten, we get set up and start running some that we can do that for, uh, I would guess, and this is really right off the top of my head, uh, probably no more than about 20% adder. Okay. Now, look, we've got about five minutes left in the program. Before I screw this up, let's tell everybody how they can make contact with you or talk to you or look at your products and all that kind of stuff. Give us information. Let's know where we can make contact with you, look at your stuff. Go ahead. you got the floor. You bet. Well, thanks, man. Um, as you know... When you called me the other night, you got me, okay? That was awesome, by the way. That, that doesn't always happen. And that was at, what, 8 o'clock at night? Ladies and gentlemen, do not call this man at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. Be respectful. I did it because I thought I was going to get an answering machine. But I just told you now, that's that's him. So don't bug him after 6 o'clock. That's respectful. That's right. Now, I can't guarantee you won't get me. So if you're looking for somebody else, you might end up with me anyhow. Okay. <laughs> at, at any rate, we're here to make sure that we, that we get people's weapons protected. Um, now, you know, we've been talking weapons, but we're into the automotive business. You know, I was going to ask you that, Rick. I saw that thing about your motorcycle. Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's that's a product we don't, we don't have too much of a demand for here in, in Texas, Matt. But uh, up in the north, guys park their bikes in the wintertime, and they park them in a garage right beside a car that's going in and out, bringing in all of that salt and calcium chloride off the roads. That is so cool, man. Tell everybody. Bikes, bikes were rusting. And just because somebody was walking past the table up, up in a show we did up in Pennsylvania... That's where we got the idea. We started making a big bag for them, and uh, then we figured out, hey, we can make this bag in virtually any size we want to make it. We can we make a, a cover for Craftsman's um, table saws that just have a tendency to rust on the surface. Like I said, we're in the automotive business selling bags to camshaft and crankshaft regrinders. We're in the oil business. Uh, we make some, some bags for guys that, uh, that do some work in the oil business. We make custom bags for armatures for motors out of a big manufacturer in Houston. So... This is a product that we didn't have to sell to anybody in the industry because they were aware of VCI. Uh, the first five years we were in business with the product, we were kind of wondering ourselves how it was going to go because we knew the military spec was five years, but until you get that guy coming back and buying it for the second time uh, and telling you how great the product works, uh, you, you just, you, you're kind of on the edge of your chair. But So how long, let's see, how long have I been dealing with you for, uh, let's see, almost 18 years? Yeah, you're 18. We're, we've been in it for about 20. The first show we did was at the Fort Bend County Fairgrounds in Richmond, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not too many things I go, you need to buy this product. This is one of those things you need to buy. Hey, Rick, I'm going to put you on the spot. June 11th, I'm doing a live remote at the premier gun show in Temple. On Saturday, I'm doing a live remote. What does it take to get you there? We can introduce you to everybody, get your product there, maybe you know, tell everybody what's going on. What does it take to get you there, man? Matt, we're going to have to simonize our calendars here a little bit. We're unfortunately going to be in Chantilly, Virginia that weekend. Um, we do a show up there about five times a year, and this is one of those weekends that hits that one. I'm real familiar with the premier shows. Um, 
if we can link up on a schedule to either do Temple or I'm not sure if there's any other ones of Michelle's shows that you do, but any of the premier shows um, that are a little closer to the Dallas area, we can get to real quick. If that weekend was open, I'd be there. Okay, we, we might be doing a Waco one. I'm not sure. i got to check the schedule see what we can get in on there. But Okay, we've got about, I don't know, three minutes. Rick, is there anything I'm missing here that we should be telling people? No, just other than I didn't, I didn't quite answer your question about the, the phone number. That It's 972-824-2233. We're real easy. All you've got to remember is No Rust Bags. It's www.norustbags.net. It is a .net. Say it again, please. NoRustBags.net. And this is Rick Dyer. Rick, you've got an incredible product. I'm not saying this for hype. I've used it. Been close to 20 years. Um, <laughs> I can't say nothing but good things about it. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to get these bags. If you want to preserve your guns for long-term storage or for temporary storage or for a protection in a foam case, you want the hardcover case to protect it from dings and bangs and all that kind of stuff, but you want to protect it from that foam collecting moisture and rusting your gun, the Protect bags are the way to go. I'm totally impressed, totally sold. That's the way to go. Check them out, okay? Rick, any last words? Nope, I appreciate the opportunity, Matt, and, and just happy Memorial Day, and let's remember why, why we have that. You got it, brother. You take care, and Rick will be talking to each other. I'll keep communicating with you when it comes to gun show. Everybody, Rick Dyer from, say the, the proper name of the business. I'm, I'm kind of like mixing it up here. It would be Protect No Rust Bags. There you go. That's it. Rick, you take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy? Thanks, Matt. Thanks, buddy. Out here. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an awesome interview. That's an awesome product. You need to go buy that product. It's an incredible product to preserve your weapon. Go check it out. Um, we'll be talking with Rick, I'm sure, in the future. I'll be dealing with him later. Maybe we can get some product through my, my location here and we can have it accessible to you. But other than that, we've got about 45 seconds left in the show, 30 seconds left in the show. And what I'm going to say, we're just going to say, keep your powder dry, everybody. Pay attention to your surroundings. Be aware. And God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.